is rising a revolution. All we want is to be treated like human beings, not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits. Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy Swoopy Hair to the Left Shepherd, and this is Mitchell. You're not even my real dad, manly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> burn! Right? Ouch! I feel not, a little hurt. Not even my real dad. Quit, <laughs> quit drinking all my Mountain Dew. Oh man, <laughs> I'm stealing your like Pringles as well. Right? Yeah. Oh man, that's rough. That's rough. My beef jerky. <laughs> your beef jerky. Wait. Mountain Dew and beef jerky. That's oh, okay. I'm trying to like merge think... that with like your actual like what you eat <laughs> yeah, now, no. and I'm like, wait, no. tell me about this beef jerky you're eating. No, what was what was Teen Mitchell probably eating? Not a lot of beef jerky, to be honest. I, I I, like, even then, I wasn't into that. But yeah. Mountain Dew for sure. <laughs> I was drinking a lot of Mountain Dew. How are your kidneys? Um, questionable, most <laughs> okay. likely. Okay. Well, this week, of course, we merge from those sweet childhood memories mm-hmm. and went to. Just straight teen angst where apparently you're telling off your not real dad. Right. And my hair is just always, I was either looking like Betty Page or Swoopy. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly in high school it was Betty Page though. But I didn't know until somebody was like, you look like Betty Page. And then I walked into a Hot Topic and realized I had a a a thing going on. Yeah. It was after I dyed it that really made the difference. Teen angst music. I think we leaned a lot on emo this week. Yeah, emo. I expected some new metal, but uh, I did my best not to bring any new metal this, or <laughs> or not any like super mainstream new metal. So. All right. So, what did you bring that's not corn? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna start us off with a band called Apex Theory, and the song is called Shh. <laughs> So yeah, my high school years were 2001 to 2005, uh, so of course, tons of angsty teen music was new metal. Uh, my favorite bands were Corn and Tool, and I wore Jinkos and a Slipknot hoodie, if that tells you anything. I remember. Yeah. But I was like super into the bands that were kind of on the fringes of being the M- big MTV bands and never got the hype that like Corn and Limp Biscuit did. And Apex Theory was one of those bands that you'd only catch their video like every once every few weeks. And I'd always be super hyped when they came on. You know, I think the singer for this band was like the old drummer for System of a Down long before either of their bands took off. Okay. And Apex Theory even shares some like minor sensibilities with System of a Down. They're both like all Armenian Americans. And so they have a lot of like Middle Eastern scales and like 
interesting rhythmic things that they do vocally. Yeah, they hit those rhythms very similarly. Yeah, so they, they share a few of those same sort of sensibilities, but I don't know. Uh, Apex Theory is a bit more eclectic and progressive. Uh, they use a lot of weird effects and electronics and lots of odd time signatures and weird phrasing and dynamic shifts. They're a really unique and underrated band that I think kind of holds up well uh, in contrast <laughs> to a sea of bad new metal that has not withstood the test of time. I want to point out that P.O.D. was suggested after this. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Part, party off the hook. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's not what P.O.D. stands for. Uh, I remember this like look, and I remember the new metal. I remember Mitchell with the much shorter hair yeah. and the uh, the hoodie, and I think it was the big S one, right? Uh, the one I had had the barcode across the front, it, okay. but I think it may have had the big S on the back. I remember there was a big S involved somewhere. Yeah, I think it was on the back. Yeah, it was a black hoodie. Yeah, black hoodie, of course. Yes. But I, I was like, I, you know, I think at some point, you know, we sometimes we would sit near each other in the, yeah, yeah and I think you slid me a burn CD once. Yeah, I think I did. I yeah. think we may have. We talked about yeah, this. Yeah, long, think long ago. Yeah, long, long ago. I think it was. A lot um, of sky and. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mustard plug, I think, was on there. Into so, it. Yeah. I was, um, I was very emo looking in high school, though. Mm-hmm. Very, very emo kid. But such a good kid. Um, there's some really cool, like, alliteration going on here. And there's, there's these crazy sound effects that are, like, crazy i don't even have a concept <laughs> of how they even made these sounds and i guess this is what mathy complex like myth like stuff's going on but whatever the sh- diggy or the diggy shit diggy thing yeah that i really like that and it's been like keeps going in my head and i'm just i can't it's very catchy and like very uh hard to say yeah so it's also that yeah and i was i was charmed by it and i also never came across this music which i was like if, of all the new metal i was pretty sure i was familiar with at least some of it right or like most of it i had to go a little to my like emo kid roots mm-hmm. which apparently that's what i was i brought further scenes forever the moon is down no I was such a sad sack in high school. Weren't we all? I used to roll uh, around 
<laughs> like all the time in my Dodge Grand Caravan with like this like block print of a geisha on the back window, which is a bad move if you want don't want to get tracked by your mom around town, especially yep. if you like to stay up late. Uh, and I was <laughs> blasting these very angsty songs. Further Seems Forever used to have the Dashboard Confessionals lead singer, and of course I was hollering my voice out because that's what you do. Uh, in the end, this song is so totally overwrought, and there's not a true clear meaning whatsoever. But it's like it puts you in the feels, and it like you know it's one of those songs you jump in the car and you start like after you've fought with your mom <laughs> because you wanted to hang out late with your straight edge friend, which apparently means that they're I was injecting the marijuana and doing the beer. Straight edge implies razor blades, <laughs> Amy. That sounds dangerous. I'm sorry, but I was just a. Uh, hollering to Chris Caraba <laughs> and getting all angsty all over the place. And I really like started holding, holding some uh, grudges <laughs> like 15 years later. Also screw Hawthorne Heights. Cause they totally like ruined this whole genre. I'm just going to oh, say man. I, I can second screw Hawthorne Heights <sighs> from, from a completely different perspective. Really? I'll digress for just a moment. I was in a, I was in a pop punk band uh-huh. and we opened up for Hawthorne Heights and Fuck they were them. assholes. I, and they sucked. They were very boring live. Yeah. I just, I was in college when Hawthorne Heights like got popular and I was just like, I kind of used to leave my TV on even mm-hmm. whenever I wasn't in there in my dorm room. And so I just did like this twirl around and said, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. Why are you doing this shit? This is not, you know. And like, I, I liked the first record. I can't lie. But boy, whenever my band, like, oh. whenever my band opened for them, they were, they were assholes to all of us. And and they were just boring live. But Further Seems Forever, however, yeah. is a great band. Uh, I never listened to a lot of them, uh, maybe because uh, Chris Caraba left after this album. I just found out today that there was an album after Chris Caraba yeah. left. So uh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of missed out because I definitely love Chris Caraba, love Dashboard Confessional. In fact, Dashboard Confessional's MTV Unplugged is still one of my favorite records. So it's a shame I never got around to actually giving this a genuine listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drumming on this song is amazing. It's got lots of cool chord voicings on the guitars and a lot of movement in the bass, which makes the chords even more interesting and colorful. Uh, Chris Caraba has one of the most emotive voices. His vocal melodies are usually very catchy and ambitious. And I've also noticed he has a serious knack for like internal rhyme and like phrasing the syllables and the meter of the lyrics in interesting ways. I'm a big fan, so I definitely got to give at least his first record a, a, a real chance. Yeah, I, I, The Moon is Down is a uh, somebody slid me. Yeah. You know, a burned copy of that in the back of the Hollywood 16 movie theater. <laughs> Nothing fancy going on. We were just listening to emo music in my van. But yeah, yeah like somebody gave it to me. Passing like, mixtapes is- yes. in, in uh, bags of popcorn. <laughs> Trash bags full of popcorn. It was so gross. Don't eat there. Um, the Ear Buddies have lots of feels this mm-hmm. week. Uh, apparently, we were all pretty hardcore. In yeah. our teenage days, I I think you still got the hardcore thing going on a little bit, but, but you know I've always been an eclectic fella. I I, I started wearing color somewhere in high school, yeah, in exactly. college, yeah. So, um, our first ear buddy, Metal Johnny, brings Agnostic Front's power. Yeah, man. 
14 to 15 years old, my grandmother would always take me to the mall in Paducah, Kentucky, and she would always buy me a cassette. We would listen to whatever I bought in her Lincoln. Sweet. Uh, I remember discovering AF on a free comp with the regular price cassettes. I quite clearly remember being blown away by this track that was chosen to be on the comp. So is that a compilation? Compilation. Okay. This has kind of like this, it starts out with this like Scott thumpity thing. I, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> just, just a punk drum beat. You know. Yeah, but it just, it's got rad fuzzy guitars, which I think fuzzy is the proper yeah, phrasing sure. for it. Uh, I appreciate that they kept the lyrical content pretty straightforward because there's not actually that many lyrics at all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like perfect teen angst is going on right here yeah definitely uh, i listened to a lot of agnostic front in my teens because they were you know they were punk and hardcore royalty by the time i was a teen but this album came out a few years before i was ever even born so whoa yeah this is like pre what, yeah what this year? came out in 1984 so so it's before me yeah wow it doesn't sound yeah doesn't i mean this is like this that. is like the 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 beginnings of a lot of hardcore and and like crossover is, punk and that sort of thing is this like a dc band uh i think they were from out west if i oh, recall okay. but like they definitely drew from a lot of the the dc stuff and i'm sure lum or or metal johnny will correct us on on where they're actually from because i can't remember yeah but yeah i mean i can't remember i mean i can't even imagine like nothing else <laughs> like this being out and then something like this hits the scene and just like blows your mind having heard nothing like this before you know hearing this must have been pretty insane uh like i said they were the pioneers of like bridging that gap between thrash and hardcore punk it's got the high energy fast punk drums and like the punchy snarly fuzz bass you even get a shreddy guitar solo and then the anthemic shout along vocals screaming about rebelling and fighting for your ideals it's like you said it's the perfect music for that teen angst and Agnostic Front also influenced pretty much every punk band that you and I grew up listening to. So our personal Teen Angst <laughs> jams owe, owe a lot to Johnny's Teen Angst jams. Wow. And also, Johnny, you said that you'd listen to whatever you got on the way home with your grandmother. <laughs> so I'm super curious how she responded to Agnostic Front or anything else that you played for her. So, Johnny, I think you should send us an email or a voicemail and tell us about uh, your grandmother's reactions to the various things that you played for. I would love that. I I really feel like grandma was like super, super awesome. She she had to be super cool to yeah. like let 15 year old metal Johnny <laughs> like, hey, I got this compilation. Let's listen to it. And then it's agnostic front. And she's like, oh, that's nice, sweetie. Let's go eat some cookies. Yeah, let's get it's some so cookies. Colian brings the Smiths. How soon is now? I'm the song. I'm the Shyness that is criminally vulgar. I am the summoner of nothing in particular.
says, more 80s angst. No one does angst like the Smiths, which mm-hmm. I believe my husband would totally get behind. Because yeah. he's got, I believe the Smiths is the Mita's murder poster thing going on. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was the front of their album, right? Right. See, this tells how much I actually research um, the That's Smiths. Right. I should know better. Uh, the Smiths uh, definitely are like, they, they've been showing up lately for us. Mm-hmm. I think we've had a few, but they are like... Like, iconic teen angst. Um, I forgot that this was the song that was with this, like, cool deflecty sound that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, uh, weird and shimmery. It almost yeah. sounds like a like a car horn passing you by at fast speed or right. something. But, like, super fast speed. Yeah. And I'm notoriously bad at remembering song titles and lyrics, and I can never remember this. Um, yes. Which teenager has not felt that they were not being regarded as a person? Yeah, exactly. And so... The Smiths. I mean, really, it's like I'm a I'm a human too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this was actually my first real introduction to the Smiths. Again, another band whose heyday was before my time. But whenever I worked at Hot Topic, uh, my coworker Adrian and I would we would like play a Smiths greatest hit CD that we had laying around. I thought you were supposed to be doing the corporate music. Well, it was actually uh, in there. In there, we we had a a drawer full of CDs that were approved Hot Topic CDs. And yeah, that was in there. So uh, yeah, this song was one of the first to really stand out and like make me pay attention. It's got that shimmery, shifty guitar that kind of grabs your attention, holds you in its sway until that chorus hits. And then the melody in the chorus is just so beautiful and catchy and emotional. And then the lyrics, I'm human and I need to be loved just like everybody else does. Like (laughs) those words put their hooks deep in my sad boy soul. In your teenage sad boy. Yes. Uh, Morrissey's lyrics are always like so dejected, but also really snarky and biting too. So it's like this perfect mix of of emotion for an angsty, bitter, lovesick teenager. And, you know, in contrast to Morrissey's morbid lyrics, the guitars in a lot of Smith songs are very jangly and sunshiny, which gives even more complexity in contrast to, to what they're doing as well. It's another band that's perfect for that teen angst and like feeling lost and confused and emotional. Yeah. Uh, like every angsty teen does. Sad boy, sad girl stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, who doesn't feel like that when they're growing up, though? Yeah, I guess we all do. I know. Brandon brings pinfolds, I'll take you everywhere. side of my teen angst was satisfied by smoking cloves in the park and listening to songs like this my all-time favorite emo song which i still enjoy 
This takes me back to like all the lovely parts of emo soft songs, but then you also have this like rawr, emo-ish <laughs> part. So when Dashboard got all sweet and cute in like the mid 2000s and he wasn't hollering all the time, but this is like got that sweet side to it. And then it slides into the sing hollering, which, you know, Dashboard he <laughs> was also doing. And it's just all the... All the angles of emo really come together in this. The soft, the hard, the upsetness. Yeah. Right. Uh, definitely shows another side of the teen angst thing, especially for me. Because uh, even though I did listen to a lot of the angry sounding music, I wasn't much of an outwardly angry, aggressive sort. Uh, so a lot of my teen angst manifested in the opposite way, kind of turning my emotions inward and getting sad and bummed out instead of being angry at the world. So a song like this, which kind of starts in that sad, depressive space and then explodes into that cathartic expression of emotion, that's a, a pretty comprehensive reflection of how I was, I was feeling in my teens, you know. Um, I didn't listen to many of the bands like Penfold at the time. I was listening to <laughs> pop emo like Taking Back Sunday and Saves the Day and something corporate. But, you know, toward, toward the end of my teens like, and definitely into my early 20s, I made up for the lost time and went back to listen to bands like Jawbreaker and The Promise Ring and American Football. And, of course, I have to mention Rites of Spring to prove my true emo cred. <laughs> so, yeah, I instantly fell in love with all those bands and that early emo sound that kind of drew from hardcore and punk before pop punk got its hands on emo. <laughs> uh, Penrose is definitely a, a, a simple, they're like a middle of the road between those early emo bands and the cheesy pop emo that I was into as a teenager. So, yeah. definitely appreciate this. Well, all of these bands, like, so I said that I only read like one music nonfiction book yeah and actually i read two. Oh, i read uh nothing feels good yeah <laughs> about you know punk and emo yeah like the evolution. history of emo music yeah yes and so i was like i remember i was trying to collect all of the albums from that book which right. is really difficult if you're thinking the early 2000s and you didn't have a credit card or a debit card to use online so mm -hmm. Uh, now I'm like just trying to find myself some uh, the right of the rights of spring uh, on vinyl, but that's gonna be near impossible. Yeah, I probably think. so. Yeah, uh, Ben brings secret and whisper XOXOXO. Angsty teenage years would not have been complete without this song, which still happens to be an absolute 100% certified banger. There's some like serious complex instrumentation that, that's like going on here. It's like bright and shiny, but it's also kind of like really dark and epic-y and musiciness and stuff like that. <laughs> musiciness. <laughs> yes. It's there's like also hints of a gaming situation with like a huge boss fight. There's tons of emotion, tons of epicness, possibly 
Emo, I think this is emo for sure, right? Maybe, possibly. Em- emo core, maybe? Yeah. Progressive emo, emo core? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take prog <laughs> emo. Um, yeah. It just makes me have the feels. Yeah, definitely. Finally, something I had never heard of before, so that's good. Uh, I have to admit, I expected some generic bad metalcore at first, but <laughs> I was delighted to hear the progressive influences with like the really spacey, high-flying vocals, like some Coheed and Cambria or Mars Volta. <laughs> and it has just the right amount of like chugga-chugga to keep it heavy, but they don't rely on like the off-kilter, rhythmic, palm-muted guitars like a lot of like bad metalcore <laughs> bands did. The song keeps things interesting by like constantly changing gears in sort of unexpected ways. Uh, I could totally see why some purists may be turned off by something like this, but I, I think this band rips. Uh, that chorus is going to be stuck in my head for a week. I really like the the sort of high-flying falsetto-y, yeah. like not afraid to to be operatic kind of thing. I really dig that. It's just so epic. It's just so epic. Craig brings the Deftones' My Own Summer. <laughs> Oh man, all I listened to as a teenager was angsty stuff. A lot of it I'm almost embarrassed to mention. But the Deftones will always hold a very special place in my heart. One of the best bands I've ever seen live, too. Gosh, Swing has gotten moody from what I remember. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Close. <laughs> not the Mighty Mighty Not Ballstones. the Mighty Mighty Ballstones, <laughs> Deftones. I really wish they had not tones at the end, because then I'd remember. Sure. Um, they really cornered the market on teen angst, and I also think that there's some ASMR. Man, <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you were totally right. I bet you a- ASMR people love Deftones. <laughs> yes, because he's like... Chino's always just whispering to you. whispering. <laughs> and then, and then it That's gets, fucking funny. And then it gets like really loud again. So I think that um, I told many people, shove it in my teen years. Mm-hmm. They were probably... Um, probably, but just my mom. Sorry, because yeah. <laughs> that's what I did. And I probably told my brother that a lot too. It's like, shove off, man! Yeah. Leave me the hell alone. But I was generally such a goody two shoes. So, oh, uh, well, hey, you remember? I definitely remember. <laughs> Rule abiding. Yeah. So yeah, out out of everything that the ear buddies posted, this is definitely the closest to my era of teen angst. Uh, this song in particular was definitely a bit before I hit my teens, but the next couple of records that the Deftones put out did align with my teens. Uh, and like whenever I was in the early teens, I was super into new metal. Corn was my favorite band. Uh, and although the Deftones were a band that everybody else seemed to like, I never really dug them at first. Mm-hmm. And I remember the movie Little Nicky, that Adam Sandler movie came out and it had the song change in the house of flies, which I thought was like a cool sound. So I listened to the album that it was called, that it was from, called White Pony. And I don't know, it just still didn't really stick with me. 
But then a few late, a uh, few years later, Deftones put out their self-titled record and uh, led with a single called Minerva that just like mm-hmm. blew me away. And so I got that record and then went went back to revisit the old stuff. And by that time, I was much more receptive to what they're doing. And they became one of my favorite bands. Uh, they incorporate a lot of melody and the creative dynamics. <laughs> uh, they drew a lot from uh, a lot of influences from outside of metal, a lot of shoegaze and ambient influence. Uh, they took a few pages from like the angsty 80s stuff, like the Cure and the Smiths, and also like you know nobody else sings like Chino, the or weird, whispers. the weird whispers. <laughs> it's just super cool and very characteristic, you know, the very unique and characteristic sound of their own. Um, and the Deftones definitely exhibit a much more diverse and nuanced range of emotions in their music too, as opposed to like other metal bands that are just pissed off. Deftones. They can be angry or depressed or ecstatic or yearning, and they still maintain this like foundational heaviness behind it all. Hmm. So yeah, I, I I really came to love the Deftones whenever they hit me. You know, yeah. Some things just have to hit you at the right time in your life. I feel like there's several bands. Like Modest Mouse was a band that I hated until really? one until one day it just hit me. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a Radiohead as another example. When I was in high school, didn't like Radiohead, thought they were awful. As soon as I turned like 19, <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, it was Radiohead talk- rules. It was talking heads for me, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense, too. Yeah, because I was like, when you're like 14, talking heads is not yeah. what was yeah, There's my something jam. special about those bands that like, they just click for you one day and like, oh, wow. Now yeah. that I get it, this is one of my favorite right. things. Lum... The majestic Lum. He brings Blood for Blood's Wasted Youth Crew. While I'm sure there will be a ton of pop punk and new metal posted here, this isn't that. I love this song to this day and still identify as an outsider in most respects. But this is a song that I used to play as loud as I could as a teenager because I knew the cursing would piss off my dad. This is fighting music. Like, the bounce around and get to swinging for sure. Like, definitely low lighting and graffiti on the walls. Remember mm-hmm. that, like, was it? The collective. Yeah, the old Hickory Collective. Yeah. Uh, The idea of being misunderstood and indulging in some possibly bad habits as a way to fight the greater social structure does tend to be a theme of the team years. Uh, Granted, I was a totally giddy two shoes until I was like 23. I mean, my mother thought I was a bad kid and I would totally front that I was tough. Mm -hmm. But running. (laughs) Yeah, I was always I was always, you know, running a yellow light is against the rules and I still go five miles under and, uh, um, like I'm a girl and I wear a necktie. How do you like those? Oh, and I am going to, yeah, I remember that. I forgot. 
fingerless gloves. <laughs> and like for some reason, a lot of checkerboard outfits. Yeah, I was. You're like I'm, I'm ska, but I'm not ska. I don't like ska. That I'll admit to. But those early. Just like notes, a checkerboard pattern. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and then driving a minivan because it was more teen angst than a minivan. <laughs> I'm driving a, a mommy van, a soccer mommy van. That I bought. That's yeah, the I mean, thing. Yeah. Fair and square. I know. So. I think this may be my 20s angst song. Yeah, that makes sense. I got a lot more like angry in my 20s and right. like rough around the edges and start. I started like cussing. <laughs> it was, it was I don't epic. think saying garden seeds <laughs> counts. Um, so yeah, har- hardcore, just like emo, I came to like through the questionable commodified versions. I listened to a lot of like early 2000s metalcore and emo core, uh, the bad stuff like Norma Jean. <laughs> Wait, and Norma Jean's and- bad? A lot of people, a lot of uh, um, purists, a lot of hardcore purists and metalcore purists don't like Norma Jean or Atreyu or Evergreen Terrace. Those are like these like melodic hardcore bands that I liked. Mm-hmm. Hatebreed was probably the closest thing that I listened to as far as like real hardcore. Uh, but then I discovered bands like Shy Halud and Throwdown and that led me back to bands like Terror and Earth Crisis. But it wasn't until meeting Lum sometime in like, 2010-ish maybe, mm-hmm. uh, well after my teen years, that I was like schooled on real hardcore. Lum has a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of hardcore. So he's constantly sending me bands, just old and new, just make me want to ball up my fists and mosh. Uh, Blood for Blood is definitely one of the best of those. <laughs> uh, they're so heavy and brutal. The gang vocals and the breakdowns are just unparalleled. So glad co- that Lum came into my life with a brain full of mosh to share with me because... I just thrash around listening to everything that he sends me all the time. It's just, it is pretty, um, it's pretty rough around the edges though. There's some cursing, lots of cursing. Um, on the Twitters, you can reach us. Wait, 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 wait. We did get some feedback. Wait, we got feedback? You didn't get it, but I got it. (gasps) You got feedback? So, so we know that my mom listens to the show. Yeah, I saw she, she said that it was a great show. But also, I guess she let my dad listen to the show because I mentioned him on the on the episode last week. And so my dad uh, sent me a message saying how, how great the, the episode was and that that Ford F-150 he had was a 1993 <laughs> Ford F-150 that he bought off the lot with 11 miles on it. And my dad still has that truck and drives it as his main vehicle to this day. Man, that is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to shout out to my dad uh, for, for listening to last week's podcast because that's yeah. pretty great. That's awesome. Also, right. shout out for keeping a car that long. Yeah, seriously. My dad took great care of that truck. Yeah, my, I, I want my next or my current car to last that yeah, long. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, you can tweet at us. Um, you're available at? At Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Wolle and... Uh, Earbuds and Earworms is on the Twitter at ENDPod. Um, recently just retweeted a really interesting spin like blurb about mm. Carly Ray Jepsen watching uh seal eat a like gluten free loaf of bread. Yeah, like a loaf of bread. <laughs> like all of it. One slice at a time. All with right. nothing else hey, on I it. Hey, I ain't mad at you, Seal. Whatever I you mean, gotta do, buddy. That's what I do. I call them bread snacks. Yeah, man. Um Facebook, Earbuds and Earworms podcast group, and the voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. Uh, you can email the show, endpod at gmail.com. They did offer to uh, cover our car insurance. Oh, again. Yes. <laughs> nice. And we are found on endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. Now, what did you bring this week? So, like I said earlier, teen years, a lot of bad new metal, and I had a pr- predilection for those like fringy bands. So I wanted to leave us with this band called Deadsy. 
Uh, they're super influenced by 80s synth rock and new wave, which I think is cool. And I honestly do love this song, but overall, Deadsy was not the greatest band. <laughs> uh, their singer is the son of Cher and Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers, which is also interesting. I didn't know Cher had another child. Yeah, and uh, I once saw Deadsy open for Corn back in 2002. <laughs> And because they have this weird, like, futuristic shtick where they played these really cheesy-looking instruments that look kind of fake, it seemed like they were just pantomiming along to a track for the whole concert, and everyone kind of caught on to that. And so the singer tried to stage dive toward the end of the set, and no one caught him. Aww. And I will always remember that fondly. <laughs> and uh, despite the rest of the album being garbage, I'll always remember this song fondly as well. So I'm going to leave you with Deadsy, and the song is called Key to Gramercy Park. Diary. My teen angst bullshit has a body count. <laughs> 